Well, the votes were submitted yesterday. The results are final today. Congratulations, Sir William E. Biedenbow is KREF Recruiter of the Month for the month of January. William Biedenbow, for the second consecutive month, is the KREF Recruiter of the Month. We talked about it yesterday. Garen Hatchett, the Washington transfer. Michael Tarquin, the USC transfer. It was nearly unanimous on the text line. People wanted William E. Biedenbow, Sir William E. Biedenbow, as KREF Recruiter of the Month. And I believe he enters rather exclusive company. As a repeat winner, I believe the only assistant coach to do it previously is one Emmett Jones. And he did it three consecutive months. The first three months we did this thing, it was, we got to the third month. It was like, well, I guess it's <laughs> Emmett Jones again. Hopefully it's not going to be him every single month from here on out. Or hopefully it's going to be him every well, single month from here on out. Well, just don't let, don't let Sir William E. Biedenboe get hot here, okay? Back, back to back months here. And a very special thank you to Tattoo Baker. For putting together the photoshopped photo that we put out today on the KREF accounts. That that was a a wonderful job, Tattoo Baker. Thank you for sending that over. So that tweet is out at KREF Sports on Twitter. And I've been laughing for about the last 15 minutes, Parker. Because there's a response to the photo that's out. And you don't even need to see this photo to get a visual. Just think of any photo involving Bill Biedenboe. There's a response that says, why does Coach B's expression always look like he's a porch pirate caught on a ring camera? <laughs> and if you get that visual, it is one of the most amazing responses we've ever had. Wow. <laughs> Elite work. That's what social media is for, folks. Uh, that's the, that's good, the good of social that's media. That's the good side of Twitter. The good side of social media, talking about Bill Biedenboe's facial expressions. Well, as we uh, enter the month of February, the question is, who's going to win it this month? What is going to happen this month? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see a whole lot of movement here transfer portal-wise for OU in the month of February. Which, by the way, I did say a few weeks ago, I was mostly, not, I, I was mostly serious, a little bit joking. Like, forget the two transfer portal cycles. The portal's always open with all these jobs coming open. Well, the transfer portal cycle is still open for Washington, Alabama, and Arizona. Now it's open for 30 more days for Boston College. So seriously, the transfer portal window in some capacity seems like it's always open. But Bill Biedenboe won it in January because of the transfer portal. Is February going to be a quiet month all around? Transfer portal, 25 commits? It's it's kind of a big question mark at this point. It presents an interesting question, which is if Oklahoma doesn't get a commit this month, how do we go about deciding a winner? I don't know. guess we've never had to deal with that before. But I do think it's a legitimate possibility that Oklahoma goes the entire month of February without a public commit. We'll see what happens at the junior day this week. Gosh, what if, what if Lincoln Curious shows up and just decides, uh, I'm committing. Come on, let's go. I it, 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 then the race is over. I, I don't yeah. care what else <laughs> happens. Parker, I'll be tweeting out on February 6th, like, K-Ref Recruiter of the Month! Give it to Joe John. I guess Joe John, it technically, yeah, he get he get credit for that one. No, um, and, and I had this down in the rundown sheet today, too. It's, you know, as much as we mentioned David Stone last year, did, did we mention a 2024 prospect during shows last year more than David Stone? I, I, I don't know if that's going to be the case for Lincoln Cure or not. It depends on his interest for OU, but it feels like we're going to be talking about Lincoln Cure at pretty much every single day for a while now. 
So saying that, I'll bring it up today. Is there any more news that Lincoln Cure will be in Norman yeah, coming a- up this week? Ask me tomorrow when I when I do this show from Holcomb, Kansas, which is where Lincoln Cure is playing basketball tomorrow afternoon. I am making the pilgrimage out to Western Kansas tomorrow. I will do the show, this show, and the show that precedes it from Western Kansas, and then go watch Lincoln Cure play basketball. So, the hope, Tyler. The hope is certainly that I will be able to confirm firsthand on that trip that Lincoln Cure is going to be in Norman this weekend. But again, I I don't know, and I can't tell you definitively right now. Uh, Jesse in Iowa says, Cure is one thing, but give me Jonah Williams all day long. Yeah, yeah, he's really – I mean, he may be the highest-ranked prospect that we talk about throughout the recruiting process, and it seems like OU's got a decent chance at him as it, as it sits right now. But but is this a is this a big weekend for for OU and, and Lincoln Cure? And I know that we keep going back to well, it's early and things can happen here. But is is this weekend, this Junior Day weekend, going to be pretty telling early on where OU truly stands with Lincoln Cure? Maybe not worried if he doesn't show up, but okay, that's telling. Or all of a sudden you feel pretty good if he stands here, or or, is, or if he gets here, is it still too early for all that? I think it's still a little bit too early. But if he doesn't get to campus at least once before the summer, before OV season, yeah, you get a hard you got a hard time convincing yourself at that point that OU is legitimately going to be a final contender for Lincoln Cure because you're probably not getting a kid of that caliber committed off of one singular visit. You're going to have to sell him. Oh yeah, and you're going to have to sell his family after multiple trips, multiple experiences. He's got to feel like he knows the whole nine yards of what he'd be getting himself into at Oklahoma and considers that superior to any of the other options at his disposal. You know, Kansas, they're playing uh, games away from Lawrence this year, four yeah. in uh, Arrowhead and two at uh, the, the the soccer stadium there. Uh, Kansas State wants this guy so bad, I'm convinced they're going to play two home games in Goodland, Kansas this year. Like, the staff is in the private jet, like, tweeting out, big game hunting! And you can see in the background of the jet, it says that they're in Goodland, Kansas. That's currently where they're at right now. I know you mentioned a couple of days ago, like, okay, yeah, there's a thought of Kansas State, there's a crystal ball of Kansas State, but this guy's too good to go to Kansas State. He's too good to end up a Wildcats. You think they'd rename the stadium after him? Uh, yes, 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 I do. I if do that, think K-State If that's would. what it took, you think they would call it Bill Bill Snyder Lincoln Cure Family Memorial Stadium? Yeah, if, if that's what it took, absolutely. Absolutely. After losing out to OU for Michael Boganowski last year, they don't want to lose out again for the number one player in Kansas. And what OU's gotten the number one player in the state of Kansas two out of the past three years, correct? Michael Boganowski this past year, and then they got Jaron Kanick. Uh, back in, what, the 2022 class, I yep. guess, who's the number one player. Yep, no, that's correct. Lincoln Cure will be the state's number one player. Oh, yes. In 2025. There is zero doubt in my mind about that. And he could be the highest-ranked player to come out of Kansas in, in a while, man. And, uh, and out of Goodland, of all places, too. Brad Bartlesville says PTSD with anyone named Lincoln at OU. Still have yeah. the PTSD or over it a little bit and saying, can you, can you have PTSD anymore. with someone named Lincoln Cure, though? Well, that's, that's the, yeah, it, it's, he's the cure. 
He's the cure. He shows up on campus, and all the all of a sudden, things are going to turn to gold around here. Go get this guy out of Goodland, Kansas. Burley Boomer says, Parker, I don't know how far west in Kansas that is, but if you get anywhere near Dodge, plug your nose, LOL. A lot of cattle poo in that area. Uh, Accurate. I gotta, I gotta check my, I gotta check my maps app to figure out where I'm driving. Because, needless to say, I have never made this drive before. This drive, you've never made the drive to Goodland. Uh, Well, uh, uh, no. Okay. Like I've made the drive out through Goodland. I've never made the drive to Holcomb. I was about to say I've made the drive out to Goodland a couple times. No, thank you. Holcomb is way, way, way south of Goodland. That is Holcomb is southwest Kansas as opposed to. Uh, northwest Kansas, where Goodland is located. And uh, tragically, it does appear that the route to Holcomb runs right through Dodge City. So, Good luck. Just remember what Burley Boomer said. Plug your nose. Oh. Make sure to plug your nose as you're, as you're going through Dodge City. Played a uh, baseball tournament there once. And, really? And he's not, yeah, he's, he's not lying about that. Uh, tough. Uh, Drew from Flower Mound says, haven't been able to watch either of OU men's, women's basketball games because I don't have ESPN+. I want to say, since this is a recruiting show, Oklahoma has two top 70 players on ESPN Women's Hoop Girls recruiting rankings, and they're both committed to OU. In 25, the state of Oklahoma has seven in the top 60 players, one player committed to OU, while two plays basketball at Norman High School. Bring it, Jenny. Give me all the lady ballers from Oklahoma. How about Drew from Flower Mound is our OU Women's Basketball recruiting analyst from now on in this show? All the OU women's basketball recruiting coverage that we need, Drew from Flower Mound can uh, can help us out with that. I'm down with it. I'm down with it. Drew will hit you up. Frabro Marx says avoid liberal Kansas, too. Yeah, liberal is like – I'm pretty sure – I think there's a – liberal's claim to fame is that it has a Walmart, and there are certain cities in Texas – out in, like, the Texas pan- – I think this is the case for Spearman, where uh, Brennan Thompson is from. I think the closest Walmart to Spearman, Texas, is in liberal Kansas, if you can believe that. That's liberals' claim to fame? I thought it was the baseball team they had, uh, the liberal BJs. That's a very Wait, popular – what? Yeah, that's, look it up. I don't know if they're still around, but that used to be a thing in liberal. <laughs> yeah, Oh, dude. no. Yeah, I'm sure the text line won't run with that. 405-651-3439. Oh, my God. No, that's an actual thing. Yeah. Is it, is it still a thing, or did it just used to be a thing? No, that's it. they're still a thing. Okay. All right. Maybe we can... The liberal BJs. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. That, that is the claim to fame, not the Walmart that you were talking about that uh, Spearman, Texas, the natives there have to, uh, have to use. It has its own page... On the City of Liberals website. It's a big deal, man. Like, get a load of this. The BJ's tradition in Liberals spans more than six decades, dating back to 1955. BJ's players are recruited from colleges across the nation. University of Texas at Arlington, Arizona State, Northeast Louisiana and the hometown school, Seward County Community College, have all been represented on the team. The BJs are named after baseball pioneer Byron Bancroft Johnson, the creator of the American Baseball League. After a short stint as a baseball player, Ban Johnson took over a struggling minor league circuit in 19, or 1893, excuse me, made it a success 
and changed its name to the American League. Each summer, baseball fans of all ages enjoy BJ's baseball. Yes, they do. The BJ's have made their mark as a premier team winning the national championship five times, most recently in 2010. Let's go, BJ's! Can you look up to see what the chant is during the uh, baseball games or something like that? I'd, I'd be very curious to know. Someone wants to put uh, uh, T-shirts on the uh, <laughs> ref store sometime soon. Yeah, maybe we can do that. Lesson Hayes, Kansas says liberals claim is Wizard of Oz. Did not know that. <laughs> Cherokee Sooner says, so that's why Mule Shoe went to L.A. Beautiful. Elite text. Uh, 405-651-3439. A lot of shenanigans are happening right now on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I blame myself. I truly blame myself. Yeah, it did not need to go there. But uh, talking about liberal Kansas, what else am I supposed to do? Uh, Okay, there are – OU's doing a great job in 2025 in-state. You already know that. But there's a few targets still uncommitted, undecided – which of those offers out that OU has in-state most likely to join this 2025, least likely to join this 2025 class? We'll talk about it next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune live on The Ref. We are the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, The Ref Army as well, listening nationwide via the free KREF app. Mandeville, Louisiana is tuned in today. San Antonio, Texas. Porterville, California. Lexington, Kentucky. Raleigh, North Carolina, Jacksonville, Florida, in our small town of the day via the text line. Somebody nominated Elmwood, Oklahoma. I've got no idea where Elmwood, Oklahoma is, but we do take submissions for small town of the day. So Elmwood, Oklahoma is your small town of the day. KREF, search our free app in the App Store. Should we acknowledge all these texts on the text line or just (laughs) just move on because... Yeah, that's uh, some of these pretty tough here. Should have seen this coming. Uh, did see this coming to a certain extent. But as you can imagine, folks, Tyler's revelation that there is a baseball team in liberal Kansas known as the Liberal BJs has sent the text line into a frenzy. Someone saying that they were founded in... Uh... 1969, cannot or 69 years ago, cannot confirm that. Cherokee no, Sooner. <laughs> no, he's exactly right. They were founded in 1955, which is 69, 69 years 69-year anniversary. Beautiful. Cherokee Sooner has a text that if we go down that road, then that's where the whole show is going to go. I'll make it up to Cherokee Sooner, and I, I was going to do this anyway today. He's got an all-time uh, OU list, uh, each each position group. Okay. Uh, offense and defense that will hit on the – Hit on the other side. It's 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 pretty good. But 2025, Cruton in the state of Oklahoma. Elijah Thomas is committed to OU, the number one player in the state. Kevin Sperry, the number three player. Jaden Nickens, the number six player. Marcus James at seven. Alex Shield Knight at eight. Trenay Washington at nine. Yeah, and in case you haven't been paying attention for a few months, OU is uh, cleaning up quite nicely in-state in 2025. Now, they have three other offers out in the top ten right now to uncommitted players. That's Nate Roberts, the four-star tight end from Washington. He's the number two player. Tristan Haynes, a four-star corner out of Carl Albert. He's the number four player. And then C.J. Nixon out of Weatherford is the number five player, a four-star as well. Out of those three, who do you think is most likely to eventually be a part of this 2025 class. Most likely, survey says C.J. Nixon. Okay. That's who I'm going with. 
Are you going to ask me who the least likely is? I mean, I'm going to ask you why C.J. Uh, Nixon okay. first. I mean, I know you guys did a story at him on him at OUinsider.com this week. Do you just feel do you feel it, different well, about it? I mean, it, the it's same? Basically, the deal for quite a while with C.J. Nixon has been either OU or basketball. Like if he was going to go anywhere for football, Oklahoma kind of looked like the odds-on favorite. It was just a question of whether they were going to be able to convince him that he needed to – kind of cut the cord with basketball as it were and it sounds like things are moving in the right direction there so that's why I consider him the most likely least likely I'm going to say Tristan Haynes wow and that goes directly against what we read on Monday after the junior day and I forgot I think it was Rivals I I forgot who it was from Rivals that said hey Oklahoma was already going to be tough to beat for Tristan Haynes, but coming out of this weekend, even more so. OU's going to be, and and I'm sure OU might be tough to beat for Tristan Haynes, but you're just not as convinced that OU's the overwhelming leader as as some are. Yeah, look, Oklahoma's got a very good chance to land Tristan Haynes. I don't want to misconstrue that, but it ain't a, you know, open and shut type of deal. Like, everybody at Carl Albert is going to Oklahoma, so Tristan Haynes automatically is going to Oklahoma, too. No, that's not the case at all. And if the Sooners do land Tristan Haynes, they're going to have to put in all the traditional work that they would into any recruitment, regardless of where the kid is from. They're not going to get a uh, a hometown discount, as it were, because he's an in-state kid. Tristan Haynes is somebody that has his eyes on a multiplicity of different schools, in the end, you know, like peer pressure is a real thing. All of his buddies are committed to OU. It's going to be tough for him to say no to OU, but I don't think it's impossible. And right now, I can't, you know, I can't confidently project he ends up in Oklahoma's class. If I were making a mock class right now, I would say, sure, Tristan Haynes is in it. If you're asking me to, put my money down and make a prediction as to where he lands right now individually I don't know if I could go that far yeah this just seems like one that um you know maybe some of these recruitments I I don't know how close Nate Roberts is to being done with his recruitment it doesn't feel like it's going to happen this month or even in March it could take some time but uh yeah Tristan Haynes seems like one that, that we could be talking about for for quite some time and we brought it up yesterday like, hey, just another day and a, another well-known Power 5 head coach was in Washington to see Nate Roberts. And as soon as we said that yesterday because Ryan Day was there, Ryan Day was there on Tuesday, I think. I think the Ohio State staff was in Washington seeing Nate Roberts on Tuesday. The Penn State staff and James Franklin was there recently. The Oregon staff and Dan Lanning was there last week. And then it looked like last night, the Michigan staff is there with Sharon Moore, the new head coach. So it's like he's got a big-time Power 5 program with his head coach in his living room or in his high school seemingly every day or every other day. He is highly coveted. And, again, we talked about it yesterday. The reason why is because he is so tailor-made for that position. You don't need to develop him really at all, obviously, you can always stand to sharpen a guy's skills and refine his technique, all that type of stuff. But Nate Roberts is somebody that you can throw into a college offense tomorrow, and he's not going to be overwhelmed by it. So in terms of college readiness at that position, he's as good as anybody in the country. From the 5'7'2", I'm not listed on the 2024 recruiting class, 
but I'm a senior in Oklahoma, and I'm proud to say that I've signed with the Sooners as a five foot six, 140-pound offensive lineman. I bring elite speed and power, but my footwork needs some of that Sir William knowledge. <laughs> I have no doubt uh, <laughs> that Bill Biedenboe can get the best football out of you. I don't know what that looks like, but if anybody can, it's Bill Biedenboe. Five six one forty. You'll turn him into a player. You'll turn him into a player at uh, at some points. <laughs> By the way, Panhandle Sooner did correct me, and based on his handle, no pun intended, I'm going to take his word for this. He said incorrect. Guyman is closer to Spearman and has a Walmart, but both stink. I don't think I've ever. Uh, I don't think I've ever been to Guyman before. I don't think I've ever actually been to the Panhandle. Ha- had an opportunity, like we're driving to. I guess we're. Are we driving to Colorado Springs, maybe? It's like, hey, it's like 45 minutes longer if you want to just say you drove through the panhandle. Eh, no thanks. We'll just, we'll just take the other route. Good with that. I've driven through the panhandle once. One time. It was on the way back from Denver, I want to say. And I can't remember why the route took us through the panhandle. But we were not in the panhandle for very long. It was like 15 minutes. Nope, we're leaving the panhandle. Sounds like something that uh, what you can imagine driving through the panhandle is. That's, that's pretty much the reality of the situation. That's, that's really what you're going to get. Um, this is not college football uh, recruiting related, but I do think it's interesting as OU is about to transition to the SEC. Kendall Rogers, who he, I mean, he's the guy when it comes to college baseball coverage. Tell me what you think about this. We're both baseball guys. It says, beginning in 2025... The SEC will institute a conference tournament format for baseball that will include all 16 teams in a single elimination format. The top four seeds in the tournament will get a double buy in the format as well. A double buy? Top four teams get a double buy. What? And it's a single elimination format. That's bonkers. That is very, very bonkers. Now, okay, like... I was I was tracking with it. I was like, okay, yep, this is all great. Yep, check the box. Awesome. Love the format. And then double buy <laughs> for the top four teams. So that's basically, of course, what uh, what basketball conference is? Oh, it's the WCC, isn't it? Where Gonzaga essentially goes to the tournament every single what well, Gonzaga right, semifinals. Well, yeah, they're the they're they really good every single year. I don't want to take that away from them, but the way that the WCC conference tournament is structured. There are, like, if you get, like, a seven or eight seed in the conference or anything lower than that, you have to win, like, five games to win the WCC. Gonzaga gets the one seed every year, and they need to win two games. They're already in the semifinals. I think that, what, the, the SEC baseball tournament's in Hoover, and the joke out there is that weather always uh, affects that tournament, especially in the first couple of days or so. So you could be hanging out for, like, three or four days just waiting to play your first game if you got one of those top four seeds. Insane. Single elimination format. Uh, 405, what's with Nate Roberts and Notre Dame? Uh, I, I mean, doesn't sound like there's much going on with Nate Roberts. And, like, are they – they got his commit. They got his commitment. Are they clearly out of the picture? Yes. It seems yes. that way, man. He's not going to Notre Dame. If he does not end up at Oklahoma, I would be willing to wager he winds up at Ohio State or at Oregon. The three O schools – yeah, Penn State, um, he, he's visited there, and they had a in-home visit with him. But, yeah, I, I, would, I would tend to agree. Ohio State or Oregon most likely for, uh, for Nate Roberts. Congratulations to Michael Fasusi. 
He's RSVPing early. He has uh, announced that he will play in the 2025 Polynesian Bowl, which David Stone and Jaden Jackson were at just a couple of weeks ago. And I don't blame Michael Fasusi one bit, Lock man. Lock in that trip to Hawaii, bro. I, I mean, like, going to San Antonio, yeah, that'd be fun to showcase the talents there. I don't know if the Under Armour game's going to be in Orlando again next year, but you got a chance to go play in the Polynesian Bowl and go hang out in Honolulu for a week? Yeah. <laughs> go take advantage of that. And does the does the Polynesian Bowl pay for your travel out there, or do you have yes. to find your... Yeah, dude, that's a that's a, no a free trip. Free trip to Hawaii. Free trip yes, to Hawaii. You're doing absolutely. That. You you go play in that thing. That's a, sweet. A nine one eight listener asked, "Can we get a day in the life from Beaten Bags?" Gosh, that's an amazing idea. What do you think he has for breakfast? You think he's one of the guys that Heart has attack his, like a Civil War soldier? <laughs> think he's one of those guys that has the exact same breakfast every morning? Yes, he and Nick Saban. I don't know if he's going with the two little Debbies uh, that Saban has. That, Beaten Bow's going all protein though. Maybe just a giant plate of bacon for that guy. I can see it. Extra crispy, of course. For bacon, uh, bacon and oatmeal. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think. I think we've at least got the morning of uh, beaten bags thus far. Nice. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Twenty four seven's got the most impactful signee for OU in twenty twenty four. You can probably guess who that is but also the most impactful portal ad, which you could go a number of different directions there. We'll tell you where they went coming up next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune. Three new crystal balls for OU are in today. All three of these players already have previous predictions in. I think you have a prediction on all three of these players, but... Colin Kennedy over at uh, 24-7 Sports has put in crystal balls for Max Granville, the four-star backer, uh, Kobe Sellers, the four-star corner, and Tory Blaylock, the four-star running back. Colin's a good dude. Re- really uh, like him a yeah. lot. So yeah. just wanted to mention that he put in those uh, those three new crystal balls. And, yeah, it seems like OU's in a really good spot for Kobe Sellers, and, and maybe that's been the case for a few weeks. And... Someone that they really made, I, I don't know if they really made ways with, but like Tory Blaylock is kind of the newest player on the radar that we're talking about that seems to have a strong Oklahoma lean at this point. There's a lot of predictions rolling in for him the past week. Yeah, Blaylock and Sellers I feel good about. I think they'll end up in Oklahoma's class. And I, I, I feel good about Granville, too. Not to the point yet where I'm going to throw a prediction down and numbers are certainly a factor in that, you, you, you know, you throw in timeline, you throw in the numbers, and obviously the need at the position. Oklahoma's re- recruiting for two additional edge spots. You've got one committed in Alex Shield Knight, and I love Max Granville's tape. He is an easy guy to love on tape. And the Sooners have made a very strong early impression, but they're battling some big-time schools. And I guess my question, my hesitation is, can they get a kid of Max Granville's caliber committed soon enough to where numbers don't become an issue yeah again I think Oklahoma leads I have no qualms about saying that am I willing to throw a prediction down on it yet not quite you said there's a lot of uh there's a lot of competition for him right now with big time schools you see uh, dumb question Tory Blaylock's offer list is insane man 
Tory Blaylock's got a Bama Auburn or a Bama offer. He's got the Auburn offer. He's got a Florida State offer. He's got a Georgia offer. He's got a Notre Dame, Ohio State, Ole Miss, Oregon, Tennessee, Texas, Texas A and M. Tory Blaylock's got like every offer that you could want at this point, and yeah. nice to hear that, that OU's the uh, the early leader on well, it. Well, and I'll, I'll share what his dad told me last night following their visit. We were talking back and forth about the experience at Oklahoma, and he said straight up, for me, they're definitely at the top. Football is football. Show me how you're going to help my son with life after football. OU's not just talking, they're showing. Well, you gotta, if, if, that's what, uh, if, that what, if that's what Pops wants, then it yep. seems like OU will probably be in a pretty good spot with, uh, with everything that we know about the soul mission and everything else going on uh, around, around OU with that. Uh, most impactful signee and portal ad for every SEC team. Yeah, as you can imagine, the most impactful freshman signee, 24-7 says it's David Stone. And I would agree, it's David Stone. Jaden Jackson may be still a little bit underrated. Reggie Powers may be still a little bit underrated. We could throw out four or five other names as well. But the most impactful signee, I would expect it to be David Stone as well. No, no issues with that before we move on? No Correct. issues. Okay. I'm down with it. Most impactful transfer. Here's where it gets a little bit interesting. Okay. okay. They go with Dion Burks, the wide receiver, uh, Purdue wide receiver transfer. And I think it was last week. I haven't done this with you yet. Both Teddy and I and Travis and I kind of looked at our way too early thoughts on who the leading receiver is going to be. I, I know this is a bit aggressive. But with the position that he plays, which I think is going to be more of the slot role, how good he is after the catch, a young quarterback as well, I think I might be favoring Deion Burks for the leading receiver next year. Really? I'm going to guess you're going with uh, number four, Nick Anderson. Yeah, I'm still rocking with my boy Nick Anderson. I still believe he's he's the A1 threat for Oklahoma in the passing game heading into 2024, in my opinion. Now, Deion Burks is going to be a weapon. Don't get me wrong. And I think what's exciting about him is you can deploy him in a variety of different ways. And he gives you explosiveness in the slot that you haven't had in a while. That's no knock on Drake Stoops. But Drake Stoops isn't what you would consider explosive, right? He's reliable, obviously machine on third down. But he is not somebody that's going to run away from the defense for an 80-yard touchdown. Deion Burks has that potential every single time the football's in his hands. I absolutely think this guy's going to be a part of the equation next year. I mean, again, he was the leading receiver before he got hurt last year. But how Andrew Anthony, like, I, I, I wonder how many people are going to be projecting him as the team's leading receiver next year. I'm going to guess that you hear more Nick Andersons, maybe even more Deion Burks, but you got to think Andrew Anthony's going to be going to be a factor next well, year. Well, and here's what I wonder: this is not necessarily a concern of mine, but just a genuine question that I have. Based on Andrell Anthony's first two years at Michigan and the production that he turned in over the course of those two seasons, I mean, he caught one pass in 2022. Is it possible at all that we are overvaluing Andrell Anthony? I think it is a legitimate question, one that I don't necessarily have an answer to, but he... He was available and healthy for the first six games of the 2023 season, and it was an awesome six games, right? He led Oklahoma in every major receiving category, I think, except for receiving touchdowns, uh, which Nick Anderson paced the team in for most of the, if not all of the season. But what if, Tyler, what if, and I know maybe people don't want to hear this, 
But what if Andrell Anthony just had a ridiculous six-game run? You know, yeah. yeah like, I, I guess what I would say back to that is the point that I feel like I heard a lot after he got injured is, boy, you're kind of starting to see that Andrew Anthony injury a little bit bigger deal than we thought. Yeah, because coming out of that Texas game, and maybe you're still just high on that win. The thought was, man, that stinks. That's really unfortunate for him. But I don't think that we forecasted as big of a setback as it felt like it was after that. Now, oh, you still had a first-team All-Big 12 receiver in Drake Stoops, uh-huh. but we just thought, well, that's Jaleel Farouk just getting to take over for Andrew Anthony. And unless it was unless it was Nick Anderson last year, who was the real deep threat within the offense after Andrew Anthony got hurt? Because that's where he had a lot of big plays before he got injured. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess if I do have a concern with Anthony, is that the bugaboo for him as far as his tenure at Michigan was concerned was drops were a constant issue. He was plagued by them. And does that rear its head again? You know, like there's a lot of things that, you know, as as I reflect on Oklahoma's 2023 season, I'm kind of challenging myself to evaluate them from a different angle. And I guess the angle you can take with Andrew Anthony is – a, was it just a crazy six-game run that he can't replicate? And B, do the issues with drops start to rear their head again? My answer to both questions, Tyler, is no. And my answer is no because of Emmett Jones, right? Yeah. It's it's pretty obvious that Emmett Jones has had a marked impact on the productivity and the skill set of pretty much every single wide receiver in his room, especially the guys that see the field in a meaningful capacity. And because I trust Emmett Jones' teaching and technique, if you will, because I trust the way that he develops receivers, I think he's going to have Andrew Anthony right back where he was, atop this offense as a leading threat in the passing game in 2024. And I think the addition of Deion Burks gives you – so many exciting options in the passing game in terms of who you can roll out there because, again, like Nick Anderson, Deion Burks, Jalil Farouk, Andrell Anthony, Jaden Gibson, yep. Brandon. T- like, you can just go on down the list. Man, where how, how do you get snaps to all these guys? You're not going to be able to. It's an I embarrassment mean, of riches. Jaden Gibson didn't get enough. In my opinion, Jaden Gibson didn't get enough targets this year. No. And I think wide receiver could be better next year. But but think about it from from this way in terms of the you know way too early leader and wide receiver conversation. I, I'm kind of leaning towards Burks. You're leaning towards Anderson. Okay. Well, I considered Nick Anderson. But I considered Deion Burks, I considered Nick Anderson, and I considered Andrew Anthony because he was that through six games. The question is, how many guys did you seriously consider when I asked you that for that number one wide receiver spot? Did you think did you think of just those three like I did? Yeah. Did you add anybody else yeah, to the no, mix? Because really I'm three. not comfortable putting Jalil Farouk in that in that conversation right now. Yeah, I don't I'm know just that not. I am either. And gosh, man, I. There's going to come a point at which we are sitting here in these studios at some point during the season, whether it's early, whether it's late, and we'll get the text, right? Why isn't XYZ wide receiver seeing the field more? Does he suck? And the answer is going to quite candidly be, well, you can't get enough snaps to all these guys because the Sooners have too many excellent receivers. Like Stewart's saying right now, he's talking about Petaway. 
Like, yeah, what what kind of role does, does Petaway have this year? What kind of role does, you know, your true freshman top 200 player have this year as well in Zion Kearney? Like, you just, there's so many other, like, not just the leading wide receiver, but who the two, three, four within the offense is going to be this year as well. Because Brennan Thompson, man, he's hell on wheels when he's out there and he's healthy. Uh-huh. And well, you got a quarterback that can get him the ball. Well, and I just, I want to prepare folks for the inevitable disappointment, if you will. I'm not convinced it is a disappointment, but like next season, if not sooner, you will lose at least a couple of very talented wide receivers to the transfer portal. And guess what? There's nothing you can do about it. And it's not a referendum on anybody. It's simply indicative of how loaded that room is. Somebody is going to conclude that they are not going to get an amount of snaps that is commensurate with their talent level and potential, and they're going to leave. Jay and Ellick as good as what Drake was last season to the addition of Burks improved the position. I, don't, I mean, gosh, I mean, losing Drake yeah. Stoops is that's, that's such a tough lot. Burks is more of a home run hitter, though. Yeah, well, look, I am okay admitting that blindly I don't know the answer to that question. Like, we have absolutely nothing right now with which to make that judgment in terms of tangible data with what Deion Burks brings to the table at Oklahoma. We know what he did at Purdue. We know what Drake Stoops did last year in an Oklahoma uniform. We have no idea what Deion Burks is going to do in an Oklahoma uniform. So I don't have an answer to that question. I think it's okay to acknowledge we don't have an answer to that question. Let's see how the season plays out, and let's see what Deion Burks adds, what dimension he can bring to this offense that maybe didn't exist with Drake Stoops. 405-651-3439. More of your texts, more Cruton as well, right here on The Ref. Final segment, Locked In with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. Bob Stoops joins us next hour at 3.20. Be sure to join us for that coming up next hour. So it's brought to you by Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno, where they have half-price oil changes on Saturdays. They also sell Buicks and GMCs, which are some of the best trucks and SUVs on the road. Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno. Jeff Hatley uh, heading to Green Bay, and we know what that story has been nationally. More coaches are going to do this in college football moving forward. Maybe, but at least around here, uh, I take that as Jay Valai is definitely going to stick around, at least for uh, for now, and not head off with uh, his, his buddy Jim Leonard. And what is Jim Leonard going to do at this point? I don't know. They just, Wisconsin just announced Alex Grinch today, by the way. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Co-defensive coordinator, too. Keep, I didn't see that title. Whoa. Keep that man away from a headset. Oh, boy. Yikes. Happy sign anniversary. It's not a commit anniversary. It's a sign anniversary for Gerald McCoy and Jermaine Gresham. GK was the number four player in the country. I wonder, I think he's he would have to be the... Highest-ranked player in the state of Oklahoma in the recruiting rankings era? GK, the number 4 overall player. Can you think of anyone else? No, probably so. Probably is GK. Talk about pressure landing that guy at that time. Now, OU had had recent elite defensive line play, elite defensive line prospects, but the number 4 player on the defensive lines in your own backyard – uh, you, you go get that guy, and oh, you did exactly that. There's been ongoing speculation on the text line as to what Bill Biedenboe eats for breakfast. Oh, good. A listener in Maryland says Biedenboe's breakfast is one that sticks with him all day long. Oatmeal topped with shredded cheddar cheese, poached eggs, bacon and sausage, and dashes of Cholula hot sauce. It's called the Road Grader Special. It's a man's meal right there. For real. Then he gets out on the lake up there at Grand Lake. 
As he should. I would, too. Oatmeal, sh- uh, sh- shredded cheddar cheese, poached eggs, bacon and sausage, and Cholula hot sauce, the road grader special. Uh, that definitely sounds like a uh, truck stop diner uh, entree or uh, breakfast breakfast entree that they have somewhere. A dip and a black coffee, says the texture in the 580. Black coffee. No, no, no. Beatenbow gets some solid food in that stomach. I just know it. That's a man's man. Real men eat breakfast. Cherokee Sooner, that's Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise defensive lineman Gerald McCoy to you, Tyler. Uh, n- n- correction, that is former Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise defensive lineman Gerald McCoy because currently the Tampa Bay Buccaneers only have one franchise player and his name is Baker R. Mayfield. Yeah. Unless something very unexpected happens, it, the thought of David Stone redshirting this year does not seem very likely to me. I feel like he's going to play and play often. But as this texter just pointed out, yeah, Gerald McCoy, as great as he was, number four player, he redshirted his first year at OU. I tell you what, these days you recruit a you redshirt a top five player in the nation, he's getting in the transfer portal. I, you joke about that, but No, I mean like it's I guess it. Arch well, yeah, Arch would have technically redshirted last year. But apparently I mean, they that's basically to. what happened with Malachi Nelson, right? Yeah. It's exactly. Now he's at Boise State, which is still crazy. Uh, next week is National Signing Day Part 2. It does not feel like it because we're not going to be talking about anyone new on National Signing Day Part 2 next week. Nope. Still no new 2024 offers out. I was interested to see if they would make a late offer somewhere like they did last year. Um, that's That does not seem like it's going to happen at this point. OU is as is for the 24 class. Kick back. Enjoy the chaos, folks. You don't. You will not be part of it. The Terry Bussey? Drama? Oh, boy. Is that going to be a thing next week? I'm sure that it probably will be. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.